Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I'm Jackie. And I'm Megan. And today we're talking about should you save sex for marriage? And I think we have a great perspective because we have uh, my perspective from someone who is still currently saving sex for marriage and has not had sex. And Megan, who is married now and did save sex for marriage. And now is on the other side and can see, was it worth it to me? Should I have saved sex for marriage? Did it really make that big of a difference? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we want to mention before that this is not in any way to shame people if they have had sex for marriage uh-huh. before marriage. Um Whatever your perspective is, this is mostly for people that are either deciding if they want to um, stop having sex before marriage and now start saving themselves for marriage or have not had sex and are considering, should I really do this? Is it really worth it Um, as a Christian or if you have some other reason for it? uh, That's what we're addressing today. It's in no way to shame people that have had sex because um, we all mess up. We all screw up. Even if you haven't had sex, there are a lot of things we were just talking about that you can do that before marriage um so this is in no way coming from a way of like pride or and i think a lot of especially women i think um if you have like had sex with like a past boyfriend or something i think it can just kind of feel like oh it's almost not worth it like i've already like crossed that boundary before so what's the point and it's never too late to recommit to waiting and you know god can redeem and heal us regardless of our journeys and stories so if if that's you also if you have had sex with boyfriends in the past and now you're thinking about well should i start saving sex for marriage um i think that this is also a good episode for you or at least a good discussion to think about yeah and this episode will mostly be addressing christians who are deciding if they should start saving themselves for marriage or you know continue to save themselves for marriage save sex for marriage but we also will be talking about some biological elements of sex that could be appealing to anyone even if you aren't a christian yeah so jackie i think one of the first questions that comes to my mind is does god actually even ask us to wait for marriage. Yes. So this is something I've heard um, Christians saying these days, uh, people that would identify as more progressive Christians or Christians that are deconstructing their faith kind of thing, where they say, where does God even tell us that we should save sex for marriage? Like Jesus doesn't talk about that. That's not in the Bible. And I would say it definitely is. So if we look at the Bible, we definitely see God asking us to save sex for marriage, we see God inviting us into a life of chastity. So we see in the Song of Solomon where, you know, God says, do not awaken love before the proper time, where the Song of Solomon is very erotic and clearly is about sex and two, a man and woman coming together in sex. But it's very clear that God is saying, you know, but you save it for that proper time, for that time in marriage. And then we also see in the book of Tobit, which is, only in my Bible and not in Megan's. <laughs> uh, but we see this beautiful passage between Tobias and Sarah and them praying together before they enter in sex. And I think it really shows that sex is this beautiful and sacred thing that you're entering into with someone that you are pledging your life to that you intend to grow old with and grow old together. I also think, too, we just have to consider why did God create sex? You know, and in Genesis 
when he creates Eve for Adam, which that passage was referencing, um, it was because there was no one else in the garden that was a, a, a helpmate fit for Adam, right? So woman was created to be, to come alongside him perfectly. And the next passage after that then goes into how a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So that sex is has been uniquely created for that bond within marriage and it represents something transcendent. You know, you know we talk about marriage being sacramental. Well, it's sacramental because so many parts of marriage are meant to point us towards God. And I think the unity within sex points us towards a lot of things. It can point us towards Christ and his church. It can point us towards the Trinity. Um, There's a lot of representation in that. And when we remove sex from the confines of marriage, we're also removing that meaning as well. So I think the next question just naturally to come from that is what is the purpose of sex? And I think in our culture, a lot of times, I mean, it's sex is just seen as for pleasure, which pleasure is a beautiful part of sex. God created pleasure in sex. He created orgasms, both for man and woman. And it's something that he would be like, yep, great. (laughs) Man and woman, like in marriage, you should be having sex and enjoying and having pleasure. But sex is about so much more than pleasure. Viewing it as just a way to get pleasure, to get off is so reductive. Um, sex is a beautiful, beautiful gift from God in which spouses and the sacrament of marriage become one. They are united beyond biological means. They are united as one and commit themselves to each other until death. The purposes of sex are both unitive and procreative. It builds unity between spouses, drawing them closer in joy and love, and also brings about new life, making the couples mm-hmm. not only their joy, um, their sex not only joyful and beautiful but fruitful mm-hmm. like god is fruitful and no not every time you have sex are you going to conceive conceive and you know there's some couples that cannot conceive um but that doesn't take out of the fact that you're entering and giving yourselves to each other um and that you know i mean it could be procreative right um but the pleasure in sex is good and beautiful gift from god but it's not the main purpose of sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think um, St. John Paul II talks about this in Theology of Body, and Jackie has read this more than I have, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jackie, but he talks about how marriage is a covenant, right? And throughout Mm -hmm. the Bible, we see God making covenants with his people. And so a covenant is a commitment to the other person. And if we have that covenant, sex is almost that physical outpouring of that covenant so Mm -hmm. it is physically recommitting that covenant with that person that you are my one person and that's another reason why marriage is supposed to be monogamous but you are my one person that I am unified with in this way and when we have sex with other people that we're not married to that we haven't made that covenant with we're basically lying with our body Mm -hmm. and telling them with our body that we're Mm -hmm. committed and in covenant with them but we're not willing to make that covenant with our voice and with our actions and with our life. And so there's a dichotomy there. And I think that's what leads to a lot of distress, quite honestly, with 
especially I think hookup culture in the West, um, because as we find out, there is a reason for that, that God made that to be in a covenant act, because there's a lot of biological things that go on during sex. Mm -hmm. And what Megan's talking about in Theology of the Body is um, John Paul II calls the language of the body. Mm -hmm. So when you're having sex, you are saying with your body, I'm giving myself to you, I'm committing myself to you, it's you and me. We are one. You literally are becoming one. Your bodies are becoming one together. And when you do, as Megan said, outside of marriage, you're lying with the language of your body. And it's Mm -hmm. not that people are thinking that when they go into it. It's just what happens. And as Megan said, there are actual biological things taking place that you can see in scientific studies. Um, When you have sex, any kind of actual physical intimacy, but sex is the one where it's like... The most potent. The most potent where you women especially release a large amount of oxytocin when they have sex with somebody and oxytocin is um the hormone the uh, body chemical that women also release when they are breastfeeding to bond with their baby i mean it's literally called the bonding drug it's the bonding <laughs> drug so when you're having sex with somebody penetrative sex especially when your chemicals are mixing together and you are becoming one with your body um in the orgasm or even if you don't orgasm but just having that close contact with the person is both are releasing oxytocin women even more um and you are bonding yourself your chemicals you're bonding your bodies together that even when you leave that act of sex you are now in some way bonded to that other person on a biological level so it's not only on a spiritual level that we've talked about if you are a believer and you believe in you know spiritually bonding to another person which in um, the christian world a lot of times they call that soul ties Mm -hmm. Um, you are actually biologically bonding and chemically bonding with the other person and that's not to say that you if you've had sex with someone in the past that you're Mm -hmm. forever doomed to be connected to them in some way but i think any of us with that experience can attest to the fact that it is Uh, a journey that we definitely have to walk through and something we have to heal from and something that can potentially affect us. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. we're all different, so it can affect us at different levels in different ways, but that is why it can be so beautiful to recommit to waiting and to deciding, no, I'm going to wait to have this covenantal sex with my spouse because it truly is different than the acts of sex that we do with people we aren't married to. And I remember um, when my husband and I were engaged, we were going through some very difficult things, <laughs> amongst them being just breaking a lot of our physical boundaries that we had decided. And we were talking with a couple who had just recently been married. And they were just kind of mentoring us through it because they were a little older than us, but were in a similar stage of life. And so we could relate to them. And they had been having sex while they were engaged. And it was really difficult for them to work through. Um, they felt very guilty. They, there was just a lot of uh, miscommunication that was happening. And they, a lot of hurt feelings. And they ended up, and once again, their experience is not everyone's experience. But they said that once they got married and they had sex within marriage, they looked back on that sex that they were having when they were engaged Uh, And they called it torturous Mm. because of all the emotional turmoil it was putting them through. Not just because, and I know some people listening are going to say, well, that's just because of Christian purity culture that was inserting guilt upon them. But no, they were saying 
that it was hurting their relationship as because when you're developing and growing with someone in engagement, you're not at that stage where you've made that covenant commitment to them. And so it can be very, very confusing when you're acting that way with your body, but then you're not communicating emotionally with them and, and growing an emotional intimacy. And there is a lot of disconnect. So, you know, I say that just to encourage anyone who has, you know, made those mistakes in the past. There's lots of people out there who have and who have recommitted to saying, no, I'm going to wait for this person. And it, it is such a beautiful thing. And God honors that and, and rejoices in that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know there are a lot of objections to why you should have sex uh, before you're married. And we want to go through some of those and our responses because a, a lot of them come from real places of concern, not just selfish, like, oh, well, I just want to have sex because it feels good. Um, but real places of concern that uh, if they enter into marriage, um, one of the concerns that I know that uh, a lot of women especially have is the wedding night will be awful slash I won't know what I'm doing. I won't be experienced enough. Um, and Megan, I don't know if you want to answer that. Yeah. So this was, I remember a little bit of a concern for me for a while. So I remember in engagement, especially probably I was really thinking about it and it wasn't so much that I like wanted to go out and have sex with a bunch of people or something to get really experienced. But I specifically was thinking towards John and saying, well, if we have sex a few times before our wedding night, then we'll actually have it figured out, right? Because there's a learning curve. You have to learn how to do it. And I'm honestly very glad that we did not because your wedding night will be beautiful because it's the first time that you and your husband are actually being intimate and becoming one in this way. And that was what was so extremely special for me was not because it was the best sex I've ever had in my life, because I'll be very transparent. It was not, but because it was so exciting and new and special to be with this person in this way that we had never done. And I think if we're so focused on once again, like Jackie was talking about earlier, that cultural, cultural expectation that sex is all about pleasure we probably will be disappointed. But we're if we're walking into this with the anticipation of I'm going to be close and intimate and united with my new husband in this specific and special way, it's going to be amazing no matter what happens and what how the end happens. So, you know, I also think it's fun because you get to figure it out together. You know, you get to learn what works and how to pleasure each other. And if you focus less on will this feel good and more on just the beauty of the moment with your new husband you've just you've never been this close for before it's really special it's not just about orgasming it's about intimacy so i would just encourage anyone if you do have those fears because they're valid and i had those myself but to look at this as being excited to be intimate in this way i think really helps change that perspective yeah and i know a lot another fear that a lot of people have is how can I go from thinking sex is bad slash then just wanting to have sex with my spouse and being a woman I've heard this from a lot of women um, and I think 
that really goes back to the toxic and harmful nature of purity culture and how a lot of people are raised in this culture that is like, don't think about sex. Sex is bad. Sex is only for marriage. And if you have sex, you're this dirty, uh, deflowered, stepped on flower. I don't even know what right, different right. like examples um, youth group leaders would use. But that... Um, comes from yes just the very harmful nature of purity culture and a very warped view of sex um and that's why i was really grateful even though i was influenced by some of that for sure i was raised in high school learning about sex through theology of the body and how john paul ii talks about how sex is this beautiful gift from god like i mentioned before that you enter into with your spouse and you become one and it has the chance to bring about life and how it's this joyful and loving and fruitful thing. And that's, I think we need to talk, change the way that we're talking about sex and Christian culture and how it's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing to want to have sex. It's a good thing to be sexually attracted to somebody, especially if you're engaged to them or dating them. You should be sexually attracted to them. That's a good thing. Thumbs up for that. <laughs> Thumbs up. It's pointing to something beyond the hope of, you know, something else um, that you could potentially enter into. Um, and that's definitely a problem. I know I read this article from this Christian once, this woman who said, I really wish I had not waited to have sex because on my wedding night, I was just filled, filled with fear and guilt and anxiety because I felt dirty and gross because I had lost my virginity hmm. when I had sex with my husband and was saying it as a reason that you should not wait. Um, and if that's the way that you're viewing sex or you're afraid, I'm not sure having sex before you're married is really going to make that any different from you for you. Well, because it's uh, also just not a healthy way to go into that. No. At all. I mean, I would, for someone like that, I was like, that's so heartbreaking that yeah. that was your experience because that's something we should have worked through before your wedding night, not after. Um, but going out and having sex with people isn't going to help. It's only going to harm. Yeah, or having sex with your husband while you're engaged or mm -hmm. before you get married. Um, I should say with your fiance before you get married. Yeah. That's not really going to help or tackle that deep issue that you've learned that sex is bad, your body is bad, your sexual desire is bad, because that's just simply not true. And we did an episode um, last season, which we can link in the show notes, on purity culture and how harmful that has been for people and how it's really warped the way that Christians see sex and... Um, the way that the outside world sees the way that we view sex um, mm. because it's a very toxic way to view sex. So that would be mine is that you really need to work on how you view sex now and physical intimacy now um, and work through that because that's not how God, God doesn't want us to live in fear or be afraid of our sexual desire. And I think kind of maybe a sister objection along with that would just be well, maybe I won't feel guilty, but I'm going to be scared of sex. Um, once again, not everyone, but a lot of women out there are actually scared to have sex, um, either because of how it's been presented to them or just with, once again, that warped understanding. And to that, I would just encourage them to, um, you know, if, if they're engaged having really, really good, healthy premarital counseling, because that's something, once again, you should be working through um, together before you reach the point where you're having sex in marriage. Um, actually just partaking in that act with your fiance beforehand, I feel like it's going to create a lot of baggage, <laughs> mm -hmm. if not in the short term, in the long term, because that's 
that's not coping or actually dealing with those feelings. It's just covering it up or trying to forget about them, um, which isn't healthy in, in any area of our life. Um, so once again, it just warps the nature and purpose of sex. It views sex kind of in a selfish nature. You know, sex isn't about just you and gaining pleasure and orgasm. It is a beautiful sacramental act that unites spouses and mirrors the love of God. So pleasure in sex is good and a gift from God, but it must be in the right context. Mm -hmm. And I think that right context is what really helps you have healthy relationship with that person, um, which we've even talked about earlier. Yeah. And yeah, these next objections, I think, really do speak to that um, warped view of sex and a selfish nature. I know a lot of people. So actually, what... Uh, inspired us, inspired us and made us really want to do this episode was um, I listened to this podcast of someone I actually really like and she openly talks about how she is saving sex for marriage and came to deconstruct that and like figure out that's really what she wanted to do um, by studying biology and the bible but she had several um, other Christians on who had saved sex for marriage or had only had sex with each other, um, was one or the other, um, and asked them, was it worth it? And all of them pretty much said no. And uh, it was very difficult to listen to for both Megan and I, their objections for why they wish they had had sex um, either with their spouse before marriage or with other people before they got married. Um, I felt like was viewing sex in a very selfish way and just was not looking at sex in a biblical way at all. As we've covered before, what biblically sex is supposed to be and what God is pointing, even biologically, what sex does. Mm -hmm. And something they went, they talked about was uh, they didn't get to explore themselves and learn what they like before they got married because now they're married and now they can't have sex with anybody else and they didn't get to be more, you know, exploring. And I would say, and Megan, I mean, she's married. You can explore that with your spouse. That's one of the beauties of marriage, um, that you get to explore what you like within the safety of Mm -hmm. being married and being committed and having that commitment with somebody. Um, And you can be vulnerable totally with them. And you're binded by that covenant in both word and body. And also, it's just... (laughs) It's a very, to put it frank, we've said this before, but that is this extremely like selfish way to view sex. Sex is not all about you and your pleasure and you going out to go and explore. Essentially what you're doing is going out and creating these bonds and these sexual memories, which sexual memories are very much like brand themselves on your brain. And then if you go out and do that, then you're carrying that into your marriage with your spouse. Um, it's yeah it's bizarre to me to to kind of like tell people oh you should just go out and have sex with different people or create all these different sexual memories with a bunch of other people and then you can get married but then you've decided like what you like um what if you get married and you fall in love with this person and then you realize they didn't exactly pleasure you in the right exact way this other person did that you met before you got married and then you have to carry that into your marriage of like well this person kind of did this better and then you're thinking about this other person when you're having sex with your spouse, um, there's just a lot of things that I actually think one of them did bring this up on the podcast, that scenario saying you have to know that that can happen if you're going to take the risk of like going out and having sex before you get married. Um, but Megan, you can speak on that more too. Someone that, you know, is married now. 
I just think too, um, I think our culture really confuses actually what freedom is. So we think Mm. of freedom as living life without any boundaries, any restrictions. It's I'm free to do whatever with whomever I want at any time, which is a very self-centered universe to live in. Um, But besides that, I, I think true freedom is actually living within proper boundaries. And I think the Lord knows us as humans and he he sets boundary lines in our lives that we're not supposed to cross and when we do cross them it creates very unhealthy patterns for us and so one of the beauties of exploring intimacy sexually in marriage is that because it is the proper context you're safe from sicknesses (laughs) from diseases from infections Um, But also just emotionally, you're safe to be vulnerable and actually truly open and giving to this person because there isn't a fear that exists when you're outside of a covenant with them. Um, Not that marriages don't end, but ideally, a marriage is till death do us part. And I can be fully open and vulnerable and open with my husband knowing that he won't leave me. And that when morning comes and the passions of the nights have passed, (laughs) that I won't be alone. And I think it's just very telling for me that our culture is saying, this is freedom, this is true freedom and and liberation and happiness. And yet we're miserable, we're mentally ill, Mm -hmm. we're we're lonelier than ever and extremely isolated. It doesn't look to me like that's actually causing freedom. It looks like it's causing bondage. So that's another thing to think about too is instead of thinking about marriage as these confines that, you know, don't allow me to be free and and liberated, look at it as marriage is freeing. Mm. It's freeing because this is the context for what this act was created for. And that I think just changes that perspective instead of being like, oh man, now I'm married and I'm trapped. It's like, oh no, now I'm married and I get to experience the beauty that comes with that. Yeah, sex, uh, God does not put these boundaries around sex to limit us or make us feel shackled. He does it to protect us because he knows our nature Mm -hmm. and knows what is good for us. And that's why he invites us into this this life of chastity of saving ourselves it's not to put a bunch of rules in place it's to protect us to guard our hearts to help us be more free as megan said Mm -hmm. Um, and another objection i um, heard in this podcast and i do often hear from other people that disagree with my stance um, is what if my spouse isn't good at sex if i wait then i won't know until it's too late and Everyone, you know, the saying, after all, no one would buy a car without test driving it. And Megan, do you want to answer this? Sure. So first of all, um, I think that's a very exploitative way to say that. It's um, viewing a person as an object. Um, People are not cars that we test drive before buying them. First of all, we're not buying someone. you You don't own your spouse. But secondly, we don't get to just use people to learn what we want. And I think this idea that in order for me to love you, you have to give me sexual pleasure to the extent that I desire and require, I think is a very, it's not actually truly loving at all. And to 
make someone have to hit a certain standard in sex in order for them to be good enough for you. I just, I think we need to sit with that and realize what we're actually saying because I don't think people actually think this through Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the ramifications of this. That is very, um, that's how we treat sex workers. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'm not going to pay you because the service wasn't good enough. And we know that sex work is exploitative and so we, the point and purpose of sex, like we've been saying before, is not purely pleasure, but it's also just not purely my pleasure. My attitude of in sex should be a giving spirit and a receiving spirit. So I should be focusing on loving and expressing that love to my spouse in a way that pleases them. And it's really less about me. Um, Yes, it's very beautiful that it's mutual and that that person is also doing that for me, but really that shouldn't be my focus. And I would just say that if you truly love someone, especially to the point where you're getting married, I don't think it's going to be a problem because whether you have quote unquote good sex or bad sex, you're becoming one with this person that you pledged your life to. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day how many times I climax and I think that's another thing that our culture gets wrong is that we are so focused on climaxing that we forget that there's more to it than that that you could have a beautiful intimate wonderful sexual time with your partner um, and maybe you didn't orgasm that's okay because it's not all about that it's also about intimacy so I think that statement I don't think people actually know what they're saying because it's very, uh, it's, we don't use people. We don't use them and cast them aside when they're not good enough. Yeah. Not to mention you can figure it out with each other. And that's like the beauty of you can be vulnerable and open and communicate in that safety of that covenant and marriage where you can say to the person, Hey, like let's work on this. Like I like this, I like this. And they can say the same thing to you and you can work on you know, being intimate and pleasing each other. And that's the beauty of marriage is that it's not selfish. It's self-giving. And you can communicate and you have the opportunity because the other person isn't going anywhere. Exactly. It's not like a one night stand or something where you need to be scared. If I say this or this, that we're having sex and it's not great. Like if I say this, they're going to leave me and I'm already bonded to them. And um, yeah, I think that's also something else in sex it's a lot of the burden is put on women because women do tend to bond a lot more in sex and then if it ends they're left with this emotional heaviness this emotional bonding to this person um and something else we didn't exactly touch on but when you're bonding to someone chemically it's clouding your vision of the other person Mm. and you can't rightly discern if this is someone you should enter into a marriage with someone that you like you kind of can miss red flags because you're so kind of bonded to them. Right. And that's something within the safety of marriage that you don't, you've already decided and pledged yourself to this person and have decided this is a safe person I want to enter this into this with. And then you can enter into that more, you know, sexual relationship and you have that freedom and that safety to express those things to each other. And, you know, hopefully you've discerned well before you got married that this is a safe person I can work through this stuff with, I can communicate with and deal with like conflict. If yeah, maybe like sex is, I don't know, it's not super pleasurable or enjoyable, but that's something you can work on 
together. You have time. You can figure it out. Sex is not something like, oh, we're just bad at it. No, you can learn and figure out how to make the other person feel good. Another thing too is I think something um, that makes divorce so heartbreaking is the breaking of two people who were once one. Mm. And not that breakups aren't hard and difficult and sad and heartbreaking, but to add on to that, this one flesh union that should have been saved for marriage, I think is going to make that process of separating from that person even more difficult. And I think that's why we see a lot in our society why, you know, it's almost like a joke now how much we go back to our toxic Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend. But there's, uh, there's another element there too where, well, of course, I mean, you were bonded to them in a way that it felt like a marriage. And so to break up, even though you were just dating, can feel like a divorce. And why put ourselves in that position? Um, like Jackie was saying, it is it would be wiser to instead be clear he- clear-headed about them to be able to discern whether or not this is a person that um, pursuing marriage with is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And another thing I I wanted to touch on was um, we have this, you know, the virtue of chastity, which um, in Christian and Protestant cultures, it's more what they refer to as purity. But when we're talking about chastity, it is that like sexual morality around sex. So um, building yourself in self-mastery, learning to control your sexual desire and view it in a healthy way. That's what the virtue of chastity is. And chastity is not just for before marriage if you're thinking like oh i'm going to save sex for marriage and then once i get married it's a free-for-all no the that's the beautiful thing about chastity is chastity is something that you're growing in your entire life as you're learning to like grapple with your sexual desire um and how to view it in a healthy way and then when you're an engaged when your relationship engaged um if you're really growing in that beforehand that is something beautiful that you will carry into your marriage so that you may love more freely Mm. because chastity allows you to dominate your passion so that you may love more freely and you're not entering into sex with your spouse like how can i get pleasure out of this but you could enter into how can i reach true intimacy and receive this other person as a gift not as an object to be used or dominated for your own pleasure Mm -hmm. not something to simply gratify your own desires And I wanted to read from uh, the Catholic Catechism this passage on chastity. Um, Chastity includes an apprenticeship in in self-mastery, which is a training in human freedom. The alternative is clear. Either man governs his passions and finds peace, or he lets himself be dominated by them and becomes unhappy. Man's dignity, therefore, requires him to act out of conscious and free choice as moved and drawn in a personal way from within and not by blind impulses in himself or by mere external constraint. Man gains such dignity when, ridding himself of all slavery to the passions, he presses forward to his goal by freely choosing what is good and by his diligence and skill effectively secures for himself the means suited to this end. So even after you're married, you are called to love and chastity. And that ultimately is to treat the other person as a subject, as an individual, a person to be loved, not an object to be used. And sex can be improperly also used in marriage when it's filled with lust, a use, which lust is the use of the other person Mm -hmm. instead of authentic love. And practicing chastity before marriage 
will help you build that virtue so that you can carry that into your marriage and have a healthy sex life within your marriage Mm -hmm. um, and really give yourself to the other and receive the other person as a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen to all of that. Yeah. And I also, I wanted to mention something with this podcast that really, um, that we listened to that we mentioned earlier, where it was these couples talking about, we were Christians that were kind of deconstructing their faith, but going back to, well, I wish I hadn't saved sex for marriage, but they did still consider themselves Christians. I believe they were all, uh, Protestant Christians. And they talked about how, yeah, sex, God had might have this rule, this rule is kind of like that you shouldn't have sex before marriage, but um, sex is not tied to your salvation. And even if you like keep decide you want to have sex before marriage, like it's okay. Like you're saved. Like God does not, isn't bound by the law. It's like, you know, Jesus like got rid of the law or like kind of thing, like their language of what, how they were talking about it. And I was thinking of that, like through, um, a Catholic context, but even talking to Megan, I'm like, I know this is not how Megan as a Protestant would view this. Like, it's not this all like, oh, once you're saved, you can go and do whatever you want. Um, yes, if you do screw up and have sex before marriage, that's the beauty of why like Jesus dying for us is um, that you can go and receive repentance, whether that if you're a Catholic, that's through the sacrament of reconciliation of confession or as a sincere Christian going before God and saying, I screwed up, I am sorry, and God can forgive you. But that is not an excuse to go on living in sin and against what, how Jesus wants us to live. Because sin is harming you, even if Jesus is like, is forgiving you. He's not gonna, he doesn't forgive you for sins that you're not sorry for. If you're going against like this very thing that God is asking you to save marriage or like what would help you be fruitful in your Christian life, it's not just, oh, but Jesus died for us. So it's okay if we decide we don't want to do this or just keep sinning or I don't want to live by the law or however that is. That's not that's not the purpose of why Jesus died for us. So I just found that to be um, a misunderstanding of God's mercy, of God's sacrifice on the cross, a misunderstanding of St. Paul who says, shall we continue sinning? No, we shouldn't. So shall we continue in sin yes. so grace may abound? By no means. Well, yeah, and I also think I would question how deep those individuals actually had a relationship with Jesus because when we have a relationship with God, we don't want to grieve him. We have a desire to please him and to love him and to live our lives in a way that is loving and pleasing to him. And when we think about the fact that it was our sins that nailed Jesus to the cross Mm -hmm. and killed him, you know, it, it changes my desire to sin. Of course, I'm still tempted. Of course, I still mess up. But it truly grieves me because I know that all of those sins were the reason that Jesus had to go through the excruciating crucifixion that he did. And to look at it and say, well, since Jesus saved me, I guess I'll just do whatever I want. Those sins are nailing Jesus to the cross and taking advantage of grace I think just shows that we don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. So I would even just encourage those people to really sit down with whether or not they see God as, you know, their Lord and Savior and someone they have a relationship with, or if it's more an external event that happened that they don't really have to participate in. 
Yeah. And I remember, you know, the host of the podcast who does actually believe in saving sex for marriage, but something she, you know, kept saying is sex is not a salvation issue, which um, is not a language I'm quite familiar with. It is more of like speaking with a Protestant um, frameworking of things. But I think Meg and I would both disagree because, yes, if you screwed up and had sex, Jesus can forgive you. That's not end all be all. There is repentance. But that's that you're truly repentant for it (laughs) and that you realize it's wrong and not what God wanted. And you, of course, can still be saved if you've had sex or if you think, you know, if you're a saved Christian, if you're looking at from a Protestant from a Protestant context and you screw up as a sincere Christian, you're going to feel at some point, feel remorse for that and then go to God and receive repentance. Or if you're a Catholic, you screwed up, you've had sex. Okay. That doesn't mean you can't be saved. You go to confession, you receive forgiveness, and you're back, you know, in good standing with God. Like, that is just, that's not the right way to view it. Um, so, yeah, that was something I just wanted to address because I was like, this is not um, how all Protestants view this. This is not the right way to view this. Well, also, when you just even look at scripture, there's several passages. I mean, we could name, like, Oh boy, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul lists like people who are greedy, people who are sexually immoral, people who steal, blah, 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 shall not inherit the kingdom of God or whatever. And what he's saying is those are the things that separate us from God, participating mm-hmm. in those acts. And so um, just having this idea like, well, grace will cover me. Well, the problem is those acts are actually separating you from God instead of drawing you closer So eventually, you're probably not going to feel remorseful. You're probably not going to feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit because you have quenched it so much. And so if we take anything else from that list, um, stealing or something or being greedy, would we say, well, it's okay to be greedy and take advantage of people because God forgives us? Absolutely not. We don't think of it that way. It's really only this kind of specific area. So I I think I would... uh, challenge people to even just think about it that way too that those very acts in and of themselves are causing our separation from god so how can we even be depending on his grace when we're not in relationship with him mm-hmm. yeah so that was sort of an intense of way to end it intense <laughs> way to end things um but that was why we sincerely you know, believe that you should save sex for marriage. And if you have, you know, had sex, why you should recommit yourself to saving sex for marriage and why it's, you know, I just think it's really important to understand that yes, God has grace and mercy. Um, but the reason he wants us to save sex for marriage is for our own good, for our own health, for our own, because sin harms us. Even if God has a lot of grace and mercy for us, he doesn't want us to keep sinning and then, you know, go back to him for repentance and then just go do it again. Sin is harmful. It separates us from God. And, um, he wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live in joy. And that's Mm -hmm. why he gives us these commands. And, um, I don't know if anyone has else has any thoughts if they have any disagreements we would love to hear from people in the oh, comments oh yes please um or you have any experiences that you're or vulnerable enough you want to share um because we would love to do a part two on this i feel like this is a huge topic that we could talk about it's a big mm-hmm. topic in our society today as you know a lot of christians are deconstructing their faith or deciding well i don't want to live by these laws or i don't think the bible says this i think sex is a very important thing to talk about yeah absolutely So let's talk about it.